0: Log Talk Radio. Napa Auto Parts wants to know what makes today's new cars so smart? Is it the questionably useful Wi Fi connectivity? Could it be the giant, confusing touchscreens you should probably stop playing with while driving? Or perhaps voice activated everything that never seems to listen very well? The answer, of course, is. None of the above. Click the banner to see the smartest car available today. Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon and welcome to the Parenting Aces radio show on Blog Talk Radio's UR Tennis Network. This is your host, Lisa Stone, and... As per request from several of you, we have back on the show this week John Falbo, and we had such a phenomenal conversation last time John was on the show that he and I decided that we should make this into a monthly thing. So we are um, back this week with another compelling conversation with John, and I'm just getting him on the line. John, are you there?
1: I'm here, Lisa. How are you?
0: Awesome. I'm great. How are you i'm
1: I'm good. thank you. Thank you. It's good to be with good. you again. Thank you for having me
0: well i'm I'm really excited at the prospect of doing this on a regular basis and really having the opportunity to let you share your experiences coming up in the world of tennis because you have some very unique experiences, um, some of which you shared last month when you were on the show. But one of the things that I thought was so interesting, one of the comments I got was, hey, Lisa, usually when you have people on your show, they're there promoting something, some event or some product or some service they offer. And John talked for an hour and wasn't trying to sell anything. Can you please shed some light on what he's doing now? So I thought maybe we would start this interview um, present day, and then maybe work backwards a little bit if that's okay with you.
1: Sure, sure. And and may I say something before we begin too, um, Absolutely. with regard to you. Well, there's there's no way for you know your audience and and everyone new tuning in. There's no way that our interview last time uh, goes. I felt like it went well, and there's there's no way, and the feedback I got, the feedback you seem to get, um, seem to suggest that it went well. Um, there's no way that it goes that well without you being the type of interviewer that you are, and that needs to be said, because, you know, I've done multitudes and multitudes of interviews over 30, 35-plus years, and your ability to not only listen, but to allow me to finish thoughts and to, you know, it's one thing to ask the question and hear it. It's a whole nother thing to listen. And I just wanted to thank you for allowing the interview to be so good last time and for being such a good listener.
0: You can't see me right now, but I am about 20 shades of red and <laughs> blushing like crazy. So thank you so much. That's very kind of you to say. And um, deserved, I still consider myself a work in progress.
1: <laughs> as as we all are. And, and you're yeah. very welcome. You know, you have, I feel like you have a gift with this. And uh, that needed to be said before we start, I think.
0: Well, thank you. So, um, okay, thank you for the the encouraging words and so let's let's jump into this thing because an hour with you seems to go by really quickly <laughs> and i want to make sure we um get to the substance so can you sure. share sure. with our listeners what it is you're up to these days
1: sure and and as far as pitching anything uh, and selling anything i have nothing to sell uh i have nothing to pitch i part of the Part of the beauty of being able to do this with you is, you know, through my Facebook page, and you've you've seen it, I feel like I get to contribute an enormous amount through, I feel like I get to share, like, what I'm doing uh, without selling anything. I feel like I get to share with people that I've grown up with my whole life, with new people I'm meeting, um, with their children and their children's children in some cases, and in some cases even their parents. So sometimes it will span Comments will span like four generations, you know, and it's really, really cool.
0: Um, that so is awesome. with,
1: yeah, yeah, and so in terms of pitching anything or selling anything, I, I'm coming from a, a very pure place of saying, look, I mean, I don't get me wrong, I understand building a brand, uh, building equity in your brand, uh, having that have having goodwill be a part of that. It has a very tangible value in the in the overall scope of any balance sheet for a brand, you know. But to me, if you break that down into, like, real language, it becomes about sharing with people and it becomes about being honest. Because at the end of the day, if, if I don't trust you in this interview and if you don't trust me, what do we really have? I I think the rest of it is like puffs of smoke, you know, clouds of It's kind of like the Wizard of Oz and the curtain being in front of everything. It's like if we don't have trust, and if I don't have trust with people I'm sharing with through honesty and through truth, what what do I really have with them? I don't really have any kind of connection. I don't really have any kind of uh, place to begin anyway, so... I, it's a big problem I have. You know, now you have so many messages coming at you and so many people selling so many different things, and I'm just not going to go about things that way. I, I love people, and I love sharing, and I love hearing what everybody else has to say, and uh, that's that's what gives me joy in my heart, and that's what I'm going to do. And wh- whether anything comes of that or not, and whether there's ever any any future... Uh, commerce-related activity that derives from that, okay, it will be what it will be, but what will never change is the fundamentals that we're going about sharing, you know, with people. So uh, that's there's nothing to pitch and there's nothing to sell. There's just things to talk about and people to relate to and connections to make, and that's that's the joy I get out of it. And so in the course of every day,
0: what's that? uh, Well, I was going to say, so, you know, you are someone who was firmly entrenched in the world of tennis for so many years, um, you know, the majority of your formative years. And then you took a long break from the sport. And now you seem to be back in a very unique way. And like you said, you know, you're using your Facebook page to interact with people, connect with people, to share experiences. And I'm just curious, what made you decide to come back?
1: Well, you asked me what I was doing right now, and I didn't answer that. And I'll answer that, and I'll answer this question kind of dovetail them both. Um, I raised my son. Uh, I have one son and I raised him myself and I've schooled him uh myself we don't call it homeschooling in Kansas we we have it set up under a corporation and we call it private schooling so so that it's complete it's it's like i have a private school set up for one person basically and so i've i've educated him you know his entire life and continue to and uh that takes an enormous amount of time between Schooling him and raising him myself—that takes—that takes literally a third to half of the day. And sure. so How old is he, years, John? He's just turned 15. Okay. And so for 10 years there, especially the first 10 years of his life, I was—I uh, was very much uh, low key, and I, I had to be because there's only so much one person can handle, you know. And I still had some responsibilities with the family business. Um, and I had that and I had raising him. And that was literally all I could do. I bat and communicate with a few very dear friends from over the years. Uh, so for literally about 10 years, uh, I I just had a conversation uh, this week with uh, a dear, dear friend down at IMG. Uh, it's IMG Bolitaries in Bradenton. And she was the head of, uh, Prince North America, I believe for a long time. We've known one another for probably 30, 30 some years. And I was like, you know, I, I did not know that her sister had passed and her sister was very, very dear as well. You know, they were so good to us when we were growing up as juniors and I didn't know that her sister had passed. I was, I was completely embarrassed about that. Uh, I apologize profusely for that, and we got to talking, and it was clear to her that I had just been basically out of the loop and hadn't really been in touch with a ton of people uh, because the intensity <laughs> with which I had to undertake raising my son, my all by my, you know, when it's one thing to have two people, it's hard enough with two people. And when you're doing it as one person and you're taking on the lion's share of the responsibility every day, including the education, it's, it's a lot. You know, it's a lot. It was a lot for me. I'm not going to speak for anybody else. But it was a lot for me. And between that and then tying up many of the loose ends uh, with, with the business, that I, the family business that I spoke of in our first interview, that was really all I could handle. So, in the last two or three years as he's gotten older and he's a little more self-sufficient and he's able to undertake his curriculum partly by himself and he's doing more independently and he's more social with friends and uh, things he wants to pursue. Now I've had a chance to, to kind of start on a game plan for myself for the next, you know, 10, 15, 20 years. And, this, our conversation, the Facebook page, the different interactions, really the last couple of years has been reconnecting with everybody and just saying, hey, you know, how are you? You know, this is what I've been up to. I, I've followed a lot of people. I just didn't have the time or the energy to really interact with people in a meaningful way. So I just kind of stayed very quiet, you know? So mm-hmm. I hope I hope that yeah. answers part of the question.
0: Well, it gets us started, that's for sure. So, is your son a tennis player?
1: He's not. He's not. He he hits balls occasionally just for his cardio. Um, he's when he was 13, he became a professional chess player. And so he he competes for money against adults uh from around the world in various chess tournaments. Um, we were actually supposed to be in atlantic city right now he was supposed to compete this week for $20,000 and uh we had to make a tough decision in that he he hadn't done some of the necessary preparation so we had to we had to cancel the trip um but yeah he's when he was uh probably 8 or 9 i knew he was not going to play i could just see that he didn't have a real supreme passion for it, and I know how much work it takes. I know you cannot make somebody do this, you know, <laughs> and uh, to have forced that, I felt like would have damaged uh, their relationship with he and I, and I've told him from day one, from the time he was old enough where he could, you know, mentally understand, maybe four or five, six. Uh, look, I, it doesn't matter to me anything else my first concern is your health because when he was when he was a baby we had a i mean he we're very lucky he's he's even around because he he almost he yeah there was there was very uh tough tough circumstances at birth and okay. there was a very good probability that he would pass uh wow I apologize for the interruption, but you you say these things yeah, and you talk okay. about them, and then then you get you get pictures in your mind, and it's it becomes uh, a little difficult to to discuss. Um,
0: so we don't so have to kids, go down that path, John. But but okay. I, you know, this
1: is how we do it. <laughs> this is what I but,
0: I couldn't but what feel I'm more interested in well thank you what i'm what I'm really you know kind of interested in here, just with your story with your son, and I suspect my listeners will be interested in this as well, is you know you achieved such a high level in tennis, and um you know we hear. From time to time, professional players say, "Oh, my children are never going to play tennis, you know, <laughs> that I like you, they understand the commitment, the hard work that goes into it, and they don't want their child to go down that path. You seem to have a different take on it, which is if he wanted it, you it sounds like you would have been fully supportive of that choice, but
1: no question, no question.
0: right, so did you ever have a moment where you felt sad about the fact that he didn't have the same passion toward tennis that you did?
1: Um, no, no, I didn't. Because as, as I was starting to go into, I I care about his health more than anything. That's number one to me. And then number two, and we did talk about this, he and I, is, look, it doesn't need to be tennis, but it needs to be something. Whatever you have a passion for, whatever you develop some uh, a love for, uh, because because the way I've educated him is this if you if I just teach you what to learn I'm not teaching you anything. If I just teach you facts and figures to regurgitate and memorize or memorize and then regurgitate i'm I'm not teaching you anything. My objective is to teach you how to learn because if I can teach you how to learn because that's what I know how to do, I know how to learn, then you can transfer that across mediums. Uh, you can transfer that across uh, all boundaries if you know how to learn something. And so I needed him to have something. didn't need to be tennis. And so over, you know, over a few years, we tried different things. He tried some soccer. He tried some, uh, what else did he try? He tried some basketball. Um, he tried He tried about three or four different areas but i tell you when we hit upon we went to a small chess club and within 15 minutes i knew that he loved it i and he i didn't say anything he came out and he loved it it was obvious from his tone from what he said and so i said well then you found you found something to pursue and so i'm not sad about that it's not tennis in some ways it's better lisa because it, you know, to to feel like he would have to do live up to any kind of name recognition or any kind of results, or I I don't mind him not having that burden. I don't mind that. If he if he wanted to play tennis, we would have dealt with that, uh, and we would have dealt with that really honestly. But the fact that it's not tennis, there are advantages to that too. I just wanted to make sure he had something because I know how valuable it is for a child to have something that they love and to really mm-hmm. pursue that. And so, no, I wasn't sad, but I was I was very insistent. <laughs> I'll use that word. I was very insistent that there be something to pursue.
0: How did you get so wise in terms of your approach with your son? Because from the stories that you told in our last interview, your upbringing sounds like it was significantly different from your son's upbringing,
1: yeah, well, I think you said it, I think a lot of pain <laughs> I think a lot of a lot of pain in terms of uh, certain certain ways that I was brought up that I really am thankful for, you know and and I see the advantages of it and then other ways. That maybe you know let me let me back up and say this in fairness to my dad and my uncles. They didn't have some of the luxuries I have in terms of time, and part of the reason I have them is because of them <laughs> so so if if they have had the time that I do, I want to believe that my dad would have been to every junior tournament with me, you know, he was struggling to go the times that he did because. There was one there I remember one point when I was ten or eleven, and he was literally responsible for it was either nineteen or twenty different businesses and i I used to sit there and like he would come to uh he he came and watched me win the western it was called western then uh it was it's midwest now, but the the western sectionals uh where I beat mm-hmm. Malavia in the semis uh and beat another fellow in the finals. Uh, Nicky Baroni, who was a great player, uh, and uh, he watched me win that. But I remember he had to he had to go back. Right, it's like he would drive up for a couple days, and then he'd have to go back because he was tending to so much. And if he had the time that I do, I want to believe he would have been with me as much as I'm with Paul, my son. But he didn't have that luxury. And part of the part of the reason I do is because of what you mentioned, because of either the way I was raised or the environment that I was in or some of the advantages that I started with that, that they really didn't have, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. So, so besides <laughs> devoting yourself to raising Paul, educating Paul, and, and helping him pursue his dreams with, with professional chess, I mean I am I'm, I'm hesitant to say what else are you doing?
1: <laughs> no, I and I don't take that, that with I don't a think straight face, cause
0: that's a lie.
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, I don't I don't I don't take that as you minimizing it at all. Um and until two or three years ago, that was pretty much it. Uh there was a transition phase for me with the family and the business uh that I spoke of in our last interview. There's a there's a transition in every generation or every couple generations with our family and so my role now was it's transition to overseeing it's transition to watching over uh the most important aspects of what's going on because it's not just here it's it's around the world so there's <clears throat> that doesn't take nearly as much hands-on it takes more uh i want to be careful about the way i say this i'm not calling myself wise, um, what I'm saying is it, it takes more uh, experience and hopefully wisdom to watch over things and, and to then, you know, at certain times where the judgment needs to be there to then interject and to make certain calls. So it's, it's a higher position.
0: Uh,
1: it's a less hands-on position. But in many ways, it's more pressure because uh, the judgments you make, they're, they're very important to the overall schematics of, of what's going on. Uh, but, mm-hmm. but that transition has allowed me more time. And so over the last couple of years, I've been slowly but surely uh, training, training my body, training my mind, you know, making this transition from really – Having most all of my time with Paul and the rest of it, the transition into overseeing the business to now saying, look, what do I want to achieve here over the next however many years? And not only that, but how in the heck am I going to do it? You know, because I had gained uh, two years ago, I was 265 pounds. My friends tell me, well, we couldn't tell that you were that heavy, but I sure knew it. And, you know, certain body types hold it better, but it all reveals itself when you take your shirt off and you look in the mirror and it's just, it's just there and there's no escaping it, you know. And so I weighed, I weighed far too much. So two years ago I was 265, Uh, now I'm down to 170. So that's 95 or so pounds in, in two years. And... My heart. Were you having it's
0: health issues, John?
1: It's funny. It's a great question, and it they, they, it wasn't to the point where I was having really like uh, obvious health issues. But some some examples uh, would be, you know, my heart rate then normally when I was fit, my heart rate would be about fifty fifty five beats a minute. My heart rate was up to like eighty five beats a minute, and wow. maybe I'm a nerd. Like maybe I'm a nerd, Lisa, but I calculated that, you know, like an extra 35 beats a minute or so, 24 hours a day, over several years, and I, I was sat there thinking I was like I'm wearing my heart out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's like an extra <laughs> five or six million beats of my heart. It may it may sound kind of like I say nerdy, and, and but I, it it really hit home to me because. I my blood sugar levels, my, my oxygen intake. I, I feel like I was on the road to maybe being a type two diabetic, if you will.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and that that kind of stuff. It's like I had to I had to take a really hard look and say, okay, first and foremost, I I have to take care of my own health. You know, I've been I've been so dedicated to this young one's health. And I've been dedicated to making sure the transition with the family went smoothly and equitably and properly. But if if I don't take care of my own health, I'm not going to be around to, to, to really enjoy all the work I've put in with my son and uh, to enjoy watching over what happens even in the world over the next, you know, several years. And not to mention be able to achieve anything I wanted to achieve. So was it, it there was a great really, aha
0: uh-huh moment.
1: I don't know if there was a one particular aha uh-huh moment, there was not, there were three or four times that I remember, like I would catch myself I I would look in the mirror and I'd just be like, Damn <laughs> like
0: you know <laughs> like
1: <laughs> I'm sorry, that's the only way I can say it I would be like, damn, that you know what has happened to me? <laughs> what has happened? And that's just the pure thought that I would have. And and then sometimes I would be eating and of course I was eating more and I love ice cream so I would eat ice cream like each day. And that'd be times when I'd be eating ice cream and I'd just catch myself looking in the dish like what this is like the fiftieth straight day I've had ice cream. What what am I doing here? You know? And I could see the extra weight on me. And so I don't know if it was one moment, but I think a combination of moments where I, I was finally like, look, I need a long-term game plan because I knew it wasn't healthy to, to do it really quickly. And and it's measured out to uh, about one pound a week over the last couple of years.
0: Wow. So, so ha, were you playing tennis through all this time, or had you set your rackets aside?
1: Well, you know, I couldn't really, because if you go out on the court and you're, it's like you're you're moving you're moving one way to hit the ball, and all your fat is moving the other the other way. <laughs> <laughs> It's like you go to hit the ball and, and your spacing is off, your footwork is off, your vision is off, not to mention like most of your body is shifting the other way that you want it. You don't even have, you don't have control of your body. So mm-hmm. I started, I have this uh, square on my wall in the basement and that's how I started. I was just like, a, I, I took five feet from the wall and it really brought me back to, to being little. You know, i I posted not too long ago a story about uh, Ty Tucker, the coach at uh, Ohio Mm -hmm. State, and he's been extremely successful. And we've literally known one another since we were nine. And Ty was the best in the world uh, growing up and won multiple national titles. I think he has a shot to win the national title with Ohio State before he retires. He's He's won, I believe, nine out of 11 Big Ten championships. And it brought me back, when I'd be hitting on the wall, he and I used to, in West Virginia, he used to come in and stay for the weekend, and we used to go down to the courts, and we'd just hit on the wall, like for half a day. we just hit on the wall. And we'd talk. We'd talk about all kinds of stuff and just hit on the wall. And you'd be amazed at what came back to me, feel-wise and technique-wise and everything else. It's like it's all in there. It just needs to be kind of uh, reconnected.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: just hitting on the wall each day And sometimes at night I'd go down late at night And I'd just kind of rhythmically hit on the wall For 15-20 minutes very softly Kind of getting my shapes Getting my strokes Getting my getting my feel And that's the way I had to start Lisa Because to get out on the court I would just God forbid I'd trip I would have been rolling around all over the place that's how, that's how big I was And that's how Or that's yeah. how big I felt you know, that's how big I felt. Mm-hmm. From what people told me I carried it reasonably well, but it was still there. So it took about oh. four four or five months before I could really get on the court and didn't feel like I was endangering in myself, you know.
0: And this and means, then from
1: this, this started me, two yeah, years ago. So okay. for the last eighteen months I've been on the court starting out slowly, and now if you look at the footage, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm full speed, I'd say I'm 70 to 80%, you know, and I haven't posted anything with me playing points, you know, and me, me doing the more competitive type drills and point play situations, I've mostly posted like ball machine, physical fitness, uh, like hitting, you know, hitting back and forth, like live hitting and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but i 'm getting to the point now where I can be posting point play and uh you know strategic point type options and all those kind of drills and i 'm excited about that because I feel like I feel like the response i 'm getting I genuinely feel like it's helping some people and and that means a great deal to me because if they can watch the videos and if they can read the articles and they can derive some either confirmation or uh sense of intuition, you know, about what they want to work on with their child or what they want to coach about or things like that, then that I mean to me that's awesome. But I'm just now I'm just now at the point where I can be posting that. Um
0: what and I had what a, are you hoping to do tennis wise? I am and, and I know that's that's you know, one facet of who John Falbo is now and was and all of that. Um but but what are you you know, are you planning to start competing? Do you want to coach? Um, do you wanna just continue year. with
1: Yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I'm I'm sorry I didn't hear I didn't listen to the last part of your question. <laughs>
0: so I was just are do you want to compete? Do you want to coach? Do you wanna to continue to be an online presence and inspire others simply through that medium or is it something else that you have in mind?
1: I think I think that I would answer that by saying it's a it's a very different combination of all of those. I'm allowing it to come along organically and I think I I won't participate in straight-on coaching people because that's its own endeavor. I mean, you have to really be – you have to spend the kind of time with people that you really know them as well as their game, you know. And with the different people I've helped over the years from more of a consulting role, you know, whether they would be winning Grand Slams or whether they'd be winning national titles or – I it, i always made it clear, look, I'm, I'm raising my son. And that's where my time has gone and and so and even right before that before I had paul any and and the five or six years before that, you know if I have a a three hour conversation with Pete before he wins his Wimbledon title uh let's see it was i believe it was ninety three and so he won the u s Open in ninety Uh, He didn't win another slam for several years, or I should say a few years. And I believe Wimbledon 93 was his first grand slam after the U.S. Open in 90. And he was really – he had really had struggles. That's when he he met uh, Tim Gullickson. That's when he really started to craft his game as a professional as opposed to kind of a one-hit wonder if you will. And it took a couple of years. And, you know, I can remember speaking with him uh, probably three, two or three days before Wimbledon started in 93 and a very long conversation. And the, the crux of the conversation was, you know, what, what shall we boil this down to? What's going to be the approach um What's it going to take to have the best chance to hold the trophy up at the end? And to have conversations like that for three hours, that's one thing. To actually be traveling on the road with somebody or to have an academy and be with the players every day or to do these different, these different uh, to be in these different coaching environments, that's not something I'm going to do because, I know that I'm not willing to put that commitment there, and I I wouldn't feel comfortable receiving compensation. I I wouldn't feel like I was doing my best. I wouldn't feel like I was doing a service to the person that was being coached. Um, So that's – but from a a general point of view and and from an experiential point of view, I do believe it's going to end up being part coaching because of the responses I'm getting. And I think people are learning and I think people are coming back with responses and they're engaged, you know? And so I do think it's a form of coaching. It's just not direct hands-on coaching. So I think it's going to be partly that. I think the online presence is going to be there. I enjoy it too much for it not to be there. Every single uh, comment um, I I love, and I get a ton of private messages, too, and in different forms. And I just love the interaction. So that, that presence uh, is going to stay, you know, and I'm going to continue to share um, because I, I love doing it, and I feel like it's doing some good. And so so I think that intertwines as well, the online presence, the, the natural organic coaching that comes out of it. Those are things I didn't really plan but there are things that have come about that I really enjoy. You know, I had, I had someone ask me yesterday. I respect him a lot. His name is Keith Evans, and he's in Memphis. Uh, he's very good friends with the Browns, who were tremendous uh, junior and pro players. He has his own academy. I think it's called Keith Evans Tennis Academy. And he asked me very directly. He was like, are you going back out on tour? Because he, he beat guys, plenty of guys in the top 100 in the world when he was playing, uh, especially in doubles. So he just asked me straight out. And I answered him straight out. I said, yes, there's no question about it, but let me explain how. And I explained to him how it's going to be exclusively in doubles. And I explained to him why. And I told him I was, I was under no illusion about my age or the level of competition, or the time it's going to take, um, my whys are very strong for me. And, And the truth of it is, as I told you last time, and we'll probably continue to talk about, there are several things that I wanted to achieve professional player role that I just didn't get done, Lisa. I just didn't achieve them. And... I've learned through these last couple years that my fitness is very much under my control from body fat levels to heart rate levels to cardiovascular levels. And I know that I can be fit enough to be out there. And if I can be fit enough to be out there, I know my skills are good enough to be out there, especially in doubles. I have these things that I'm really... You know, to sugarcoat it doesn't work for me. I'm I'm dissatisfied in the best of ways. I'm dissatisfied because I didn't – I'm not bitter. I'm not resentful. I'm not like anything nasty. I'm just dissatisfied in a great way because I get up in the morning and I say, you know what, there are these few things that I really want to get done. And I didn't get them done, but I believe I still have a chance to get them done. And so from a, so from you, a playing standpoint, point, that's,
0: that's where I'm at I don't mean mm-hmm, okay. okay. So I was going to say, do you feel like your age is an issue or? Yes. I mean. <laughs> yes. I do. I do.
1: I'm 47. Okay. That's not my Facebook age, but I don't, I don't like give out <laughs> one. You know, I think I have a different age on every social media, <laughs> but. I I don't give out like you know real specific just like I don't give out my social security number and things like that on a regular basis. But
0: yeah, it's but probably smart.
1: Yeah, yeah. But I'm I'm 47, and um, there are recovery issues every day. You know, in my training, I every, yeah. most every day. I mean, yeah, I end in the pool. I end in the water because it's easy on my joints. It helps me recover. So there are recovery issues. There are warm-up issues. Uh, When Keith uh, messaged me this morning, it takes me, you know, between an hour and two to get ready to put my body through each day what I need to put it through. Um, So there are warm-up issues. There are recovery issues. Um, I can tell you from a skills point of view, I feel better than I was that's a wonderful thing from what I can do with the ball and what I'm seeing myself do the last three months with the ball on the court, I feel better than I, I remember. Um,
0: what about I, your that, movement?
1: That, well, that's, that's the, that's very, very key. I work on it so much every day and, you know, some of it's dependent upon recovery for the next day. Um, I don't have issues thankfully with my knees or my hips, or my elbows, or, you know, all the different joints, the ankles. Mm-hmm. Um, part of the reason I didn't play when I was heavier is because I didn't want to damage those things. Uh, and now that I'm much lighter, I, it doesn't it doesn't feel like I'm stressing them, you know. Um, So the movement, uh, I think it's going to get better. I'm really pleased with where it's at right now. I'm moving probably as well as I did when I was... I want to say 26, 28, and um, if I get to where I want to, body fat wise, which is about eight percent, and that's not an easy feat. You know, that's the top guys in the world are right around eight percent, and I'm I'm just I'm just inside about 12 percent now. So if I get if I get to that level of lightness and efficiency, body fat wise, I think that I can be moving. About like I was when I was 17, 18, 19, and that's that's really where I need to be because I'm watching the guys in doubles, and you know I've known Leander Paes for a long, long time, and he's still extremely competitive at the highest level. Yeah, yeah. And and there are there are if if McEnroe, as much as I don't care for him, if he wanted to play doubles and he made a commitment to his fitness even at what is he, about fifty six now or so? Um I think he's around mid fifties, mid to late fifties. Um if he wanted to make a commitment to play doubles, there's no question he could. No question. And you know Martina before she stopped, when did she win the mixed uh at the open? When she was like fifty one, maybe?
0: I um, she was yes.
1: <laughs> you were about yes. you were about to say she was old <laughs>
0: I and mean, I can't say that because I'm older than that, so there you go. <laughs> that was
1: your kid's though, wasn't it?
0: <laughs> oh, man. But I think, so just yeah, to answer, I just Googled while we're talking. He's 57, so just in case okay. anybody's wondering. Okay, that
1: makes sense. And if you watch him hit and you watch him work out, his feel around the net, his reflexes, all kinds of different things, if he were to go into training, and really have that as a focused objective, he could he could be playing out there right now. I don't have any doubt about it. And like we talked to Martina, if, if she hadn't gotten ill and she was committed to playing, there's no question she could be. You see what Hingis is doing right now. She's basically the best doubles player in the world. And she's in her, what is she, in her mid-30s or so. And she'll be able to play... You know, at least for another 10 to 15 years, if she wants to. Doubles is a much different game than singles, you know. And uh, there's much less wear and tear on your body. It's a, in many ways, it's a more refined game, skill-wise. Uh, I think they've done a terrible job marketing doubles, uh, you know, because if you think about people over 30, 35, uh, m- most every recreational player I've ever known plays doubles. And I used to live, well, I used to live in Atlanta and Atlanta has, uh, you know, you understand (laughs) like I, I I used to go watch. Oh man. And I mean, how many people are playing doubles and how many people are enjoying it and how many people keep up with results and watch matches at events. And I think, I think it's more a reflection of the lack of skills in business and in marketing with most of the people at the ATP and other organizations, and that will probably piss them off, but that's the truth. Because if you have an iota of business sense, you understand that if Alta has, what, maybe 80,000-plus members? Is that close? Plus, 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 yes. Okay. And you have the majority of those are, are really playing a lot of doubles. Only and double. you have <laughs> and you have you know southern california i mean it's, california. it's only doubles yeah yeah and you have you have texas southern california new york you have chicago you have big markets i get messages from friends in in chicago like the doubles market is big people love doubles they don't know how people in the tennis industry don't know how to market doubles Because if they did, they would sell product. They would sell all kinds of different things related to doubles. And they just don't know how. And they're kind of hamstrung. People lower down the ladder with different companies are kind of hamstrung because people in upper echelons of the companies, they say, well, we need the stars for the big tournaments, et cetera, et cetera. And it's one way to do it. Well, there's a lot more. Ways to do it, but it takes some people that can really. Rick Leach made a big impact in doubles in this country when he played. Fantastic doubles player. Um, the Bryans have made a tremendous impact, you know, but yeah. they still they still don't have they still don't have a ton of marketing behind them. Uh, and and then you go down the list, and a lot of guys, you know, no one knows who they are. And these are fantastic players with fantastic skills. So I think, I think that's, that's probably a, a future goal. You didn't ask me, but it, it's kind of come to light. I think that's probably one future goal is to, to help bring doubles into, into a much more popular state because um, people love it. People love the quick exchanges. People love the strategy. People love the changes of pace. And they can go out on the court and they can imagine what they've seen and they can put it into some form of action. They can be like, hey, I saw Mike Bryan hit this angle volley. Let me try that. Or I saw him hit this great return of serve. Let me try that. Whereas sometimes with the singles guys, you know, you go and you, well, let let me run like, you know, 30 feet and hit a scream in <laughs> forehand, you know, you can, like, call the sister yeah. out and the ambulance there. And it's it's not really, <laughs> it's not conducive yeah. to like a ton of people playing and enjoying the game. And, uh, you know, we the, one of the reasons I love this game is we can play it until we're 80, 90 if we're graced with that many years. We can play it a long time. And there's some really cool people, really neat people. You know, that have had business experience, that have had life experience, and, and they love tennis. And I just think for, to be missing that segment, it's a huge segment, and to be missing that segment, uh, people wonder why the ratings are down. People wonder why all these things, why it's becoming really a, a very cornered niche sport. Um it, it has a lot to do with the skills of the business people that are in the sport and they can moan and groan all they want. But at the end of the day, the ratings, the social media numbers, and the dollars speak for themselves. So they don't Very lie, true. you know?
0: Very true. It's it's so interesting to hear you, you talk about that aspect of it because um, I just last week interviewed – the COO of the Intercollegiate Tennis Association. And, you know, we were, I've been promoting this hashtag, Save College Tennis, and and she said, you know, I think we need a new hashtag, Grow College Tennis. You know, I think college tennis is okay. We just need to keep growing it. And they've had a big overhaul at the ITA, and um, the new management is making some big, big changes in terms of, of the marketing of, College tennis, and it just you know to hear you talk about the marketing of doubles, in the same you know in a similar way, not exactly the same, obviously, but but I mean, mm-hmm. we tennis has a marketing pro- problem across the board. I think you know I think um, I agree.
1: With, I agree with you. I agree with you. Yeah, and you, you, so you just without even asking a question, you brought me back to an experience. May I share it?
0: Absolutely.
1: Okay, when, when I was in college for those couple of years, but one of my teammates, he was younger than me, and he was kind enough to post uh, on a Facebook comment, and I, I, I was amazed by it. He told me that when we were younger, but for him to say it now with who he is and where, what he's achieved, it meant even more. He said that he came to Kansas because I was here because he wanted to play with me and learn and develop. And you brought me back to a college experience where there was, there was a match we were playing, I believe it was in Arkansas. Uh, I had lost to the number one guy in the country in a tiebreaker in the third. This, this, this was when you played three full doubles matches and six full singles matches.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And you would and you would actually play the doubles last, so you wouldn't play the doubles first. And it wasn't no ad, and it wasn't eight games. You would play full sets, full matches, and you would play singles and doubles. And this match came down to the last doubles match, and it was it was a pivotal experience for this guy being on the court competing. If I remember right, we may have lost it. On the van ride home, you know, he's feeling down. Uh, he's, he's, you know, the world is about to end because when you lose right away, it seems like that. And as we talked over the next two or three weeks and went through different matches together, doubles and playing at college showed him that he could get to another level. And he was playing with some of the best guys in the country in doubles and holding his own. You know, he was playing in team matches and he was holding his own. And it showed him in a way that maybe he didn't know before that he could, through hard work and determination, he could get to another level. He could raise his game. And um, he has achieved an enormous amount in the sport. His name is Carlos Fleming, and he's worked with – he started with IMG, and he's with uh, – William Morris bought out IMG. He's been the agent to Venus and Serena for pretty much their entire careers. He's, he represented James Blake. I think one of his main clients now is Cam Newton for the Panthers that played in the Super Bowl, the quarterback, and it's a great example – When Carlos first came to Kansas, he was a really good junior. He had been playing with some of the best juniors. You know, he was the same year as Todd Martin, same section. He was a lefty, with was a big serve. But when you're coming in and you don't really know how you stack up with everybody and you have these different matches and they're intense matches, like some college matches can be very, very intense, a lot of talking, a lot of distracting. A lot of you know it can get kind of wild and crazy, which also makes it very fun, in my view. but you 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 play against these different levels and you start to have a little bit of success. It gives you a forum or an arena to play against different people. And as you do this, you see that you can take your game to a whole nother level. and they're really missing the boat in the marketing. I'm here, and I watch the Kansas women and help them as I can, you know, watch practices every day, et cetera. And there's like 50 people that come out. And, I mean, I'm taking on, like, from a fan's point of view, I take on the whole other teams, like people they bring from, you know, different places, and they have sometimes more people rooting for them than we have in the stands. And I think it's that way in a lot of places. It's not like that in Athens, Georgia. They pack the stands, you know.
0: Mm -hmm. Yes,
1: and it's not like that in certain locales but that experience I agree with you it's a tremendous experience for the players involved the fans have a blast when they come out and not to mention if you get in like some heated doubles exchanges and somebody gets popped in the chest with a ball or you know there's back and forth between the players and real competition starts coming out real competitive Kind of juices start flowing I've never been to a match where people don't have a really good time and and I think they're missing the boat in terms of marketing it because students love that i mean when i when i my freshman year in in college we would have probably three and four hundred people out for a match in a really small club, and it would sound like a stadium, you know, and there were articles around campus about. At that time, Andre was starting to do well, so they were promoting it in the, in the school newspaper. There were three or 400 people that would come out. And in a small tennis facility, that's a lot of people making noise. And they were mostly students. And they'd be banging stuff on the walls. They'd be, they'd be like, I mean, you have you been to, like, college basketball or football game? <laughs> sure, sure. They go, they go at I mean, that's what makes the environment people's enthusiasm for the sport you know right and that kind of energy just brings everybody to another level including the players. So it's like everybody's participating in this sort of dramatic presentation and the crowd is very much a factor the players are a factor the coaches and uh, I agree with you I think I think that there's there's a marketing difficulty. Unfortunately, we're not going to be able to solve the entire business, but I think those of us that have certain niches in the sport can really come through and promote the sport. Like, you know, we love the game. We absolutely love the game. So it's not a problem to honestly promote it, you know?
0: For sure. For sure. And I, you know, the good news is that the ITA is committed to that. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they're able to accomplish over these next few years. I think um, they've got some new blood in there. They're, they're dealing with having to overhaul completely the technology side of things. Um, they were dealing with some very dated uh, technology, dated website, et cetera. And so I think that's going to be great. As far as the ATP and the WTA, I'm not sure what their story is. Um, you know, you have much more experience with those organizations, or at least I would guess that ATP. And it'll be interesting to see what they do because, you know, the industry is is struggling and, and it's a shame. And um, the sport is so yeah. beautiful and has so much to offer. So... Well, and I, 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 again, as 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 we
1: talk about these things, I reflect, and I got an immediate an immediate picture of um, being down at Nick Bollettieri's, and they had when I was down there, they had, I was only there for about six months, as we discussed uh, before, in the previous interview, but there was one one morning where uh, we were home from school, and they had a stadium clay court in a stadium hard court, and the, the best players, he would always congregate the best players because whenever anyone came to watch, parents, kids, whoever, they would see the best players showcase, and that would promote his academy. And, right, you know, so everyone can say what they want about Nick, but from a marketing point of view, <laughs> and from a promotion Genius. point of view, he's yeah. He's as good as anybody that's been in the sport. And yeah. we, we would not see eye to eye on, on several things, but you have to give credit where credit is due. And he has been, for decades, he's been very, very wise in his marketing, in his promotion, and that's what he would do at the academy. So we were, I remember, on this particular day, it was just Andre and I for whatever reason i think people had school or uh he and i were home from school but there for whatever reason it was just he and i and it was on the clay stadium clay court and he and i both detest clay he, the fact that he won the french open is probably one of the greatest achievements in tennis because his feeling about clay is is uh there's, there's probably not clean words to describe it, <laughs> if, you, if that's fair to say. And the fact that he won on clay like that is a testament to, to his ability and his determination. And so we're playing on the clay, and, and we're playing points, 21-type games, and he's getting the best of me, and I'm not.